In order to support our show, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones you'll actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little more about you to make that possible. So go to podsurvey.com slash Lester and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better. That way, we can bring on advertisers you won't want to skip. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's podsurvey.com slash Lester. Thanks for your help. Tonight, the diplomatic breakthrough after pressure from the U.S., Israel agreeing to pauses in the fighting in Gaza. The White House saying Israel will pause its operations in northern Gaza for four hours a day to allow civilians to flee the fighting. It comes as the CIA director is in Qatar for talks on freeing Hamas's hostages. Where those efforts now stand? Also tonight, the surprise from Senator Joe Manchin, the moderate Democrat from West Virginia, announcing he's not running for re-election. The potential major blow to the Democrats' election map in 2024. The security scare at election offices in multiple states, suspicious letters mailed, at least one laced with fentanyl, the FBI investigation. The tragic death in Nashville, an 18-year-old college freshman walking in the park hit by a stray bullet. The questions about the suspect and why he was allowed to be free. The man seen on body cam hitting the husband of former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi with a hammer at their home. His federal trial getting underway today. The fallout from our NBC News GOP presidential debate. The fiery moments. Did any of the five candidates on stage make a dent in Donald Trump's lead? And don't touch that dial. The David and Goliath battle to save a tiny school radio station. This is NBC Nightly News with Lester Holt. Good evening and welcome. Weeks after the deadly terrorist attacks in Israel and the capture of around 240 hostages, there is word tonight about two of those captives, an elderly woman and a young boy seen in a video released by the Palestinian group Islamic Jihad. But Israel's president tells NBC News in an exclusive interview that Hamas, which holds most of the hostages, has made no move toward a broad release of those being held. This comes as the White House says Israel will establish four-hour humanitarian pauses each day in Gaza so more people can escape the fighting. But not a full ceasefire. Tens of thousands of Palestinians have fled to the southern part of Gaza in recent days as Israel carries out its ground and air offensive. We begin tonight with NBC's Keir Simmons in Tel Aviv. And Keir, you have seen the video of the hostages. I have, Lester. They do show two of those hostages taken on October 7th. We've chosen not to show them at the request of the family, but they do tell us something important. They are alive. 77-year-old Hannah Katzia, who's in a wheelchair, and a young boy, Yagil Yakov. That's the message tonight from the hostage-takers holding them inside Gaza, claiming they're ready to release them. And despite fierce fighting in northern Gaza, the White House says Israel has agreed to implement daily four-hour pauses there, limited in time and area, and not a ceasefire, Israel says. Already this week, humanitarian corridors have seen tens of thousands of Palestinians forced to flee to southern Gaza. And there has been intense pressure from President Biden. Did you ask for a three-day pause to Netanyahu? You know I've been asking for a pause for a lot more than three days. (laughs) 
Raising hopes of a hostage breakthrough, two officials with knowledge of the visit tell NBC News that both the CIA director and the director of Israel's intelligence agency, Mossad, were in Qatar today to work through details of a potential hostage release. It's the feeling of um, abandonment, you know, from your own government. Hostage Vivian Silver's son has no news of his mother, a 74-year-old peace activist. He spoke to us before tonight's developments. In order to get them back, we need words, not guns. You know, anytime there is noise about release, I'm happy. It puts me on the edge, but I'm also happy. Mr. President, this morning, Israel's president told NBC's Raf Sanchez there's no substantial offer from Hamas to release hostages, even while Israel says it will allow more aid into Gaza. We agreed also on major upgra- uh, uh, upgrade of the humanitarian aid to Gaza. But aid to Gaza passes through the Rafa crossing, and this was Rafa today in the supposedly safer south. Anna Ashour lost six family members in this air raid. Please find one for me, she begs rescuers. Just one. And Kira, I know there's been late word from Israel about strikes inside Lebanon. What can you tell us? That's right, Lester. The Israeli Defense Force says it has struck Hezbollah infrastructure inside Lebanon in response to launches from there. Lester. All right, Kira, thanks. I want to bring in Pentagon correspondent Courtney Kuby now. Courtney, some of that escalating tension also involves the U.S. military. Yeah, that's right, Lester. Last night, the U.S. military conducted its second round of airstrikes in Syria in less than two weeks. Retaliation for the recent attacks against U.S. troops in the region by Iranian-backed militia groups. The U.S. airstrikes targeting weapons and ammunition facilities linked to Iran. Now, just hours later, those same groups attacked the U.S. military at least four more times. Three Americans suffered minor injuries, bringing the total to more than 50 U.S. personnel injured in attacks since October 17th, according to the Pentagon. And just yesterday, Houthi rebels in Yemen shot down a U.S. Reaper drone, leading to fears that militias are trying to raise tensions even higher in a region already on edge. Lester. Courtney Kuby, thank you. Now to that surprise announcement today from Senator Joe Manchin, the moderate West Virginia Democrat saying he will not run for re-election. But will he now run for president? Peter Alexander with that story. Tonight, a disappointment for Democrats. West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin delivering a surprise announcement that he will not seek re-election next year. I believe in my heart of hearts that I've accomplished what I set out to do for West Virginia. His decision boosts Republicans' hopes of regaining control of the Senate, where Democrats currently cling to a two-seat majority. Manchin was facing an uphill battle in a state that former President Trump won by nearly 40 points. It's another 2024 challenge for President Biden tonight in Illinois, decked out in union gear. I've worn this shirt a lot, man. Celebrating the planned reopening of a Stellantis auto plant that closed in March. These deals are game changers. Not only for UAW workers, but for all workers in America. After a months-long strike, the president touting his support for the historic UAW labor deal that earned workers at the big three automakers a 25% pay raise. This plant agreeing to bring back 1,200 workers and hiring another 1,000. Many union workers giving the president credit. 
I voted for him. I love him. I hope he gets reelected. But not everyone's convinced, with Americans now paying $734 a month more than they paid for the same goods and services two years ago. Economically, he has not done enough. Economically, we are doing horrible. If everybody pays attention to the cost of food, gas, everything. As for Manchin, a centrist whose name has been floated as a possible third-party presidential candidate, no announcement tonight, but he said he is frustrated with both political parties and said he wants to find out if there's interest in a movement to mobilize the middle. Lester. Peter Alexander, thank you. We'll turn now to some alarming threats against election workers. The FBI investigating after suspicious letters were mailed to election offices in at least four states, Georgia, Oregon, Washington, and California. Investigators say at least one in Washington tested positive for fentanyl. Authorities are working to learn where the letters came from. In San Francisco, opening arguments today in the trial of the man accused of attacking Paul Pelosi, the husband of former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Steve Patterson is following this, and Steve, an unusual strategy by the defense here. Lester, it was a packed courtroom today for opening arguments. David DePap is accused of breaking into the home of then-Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi last year. When police arrived, they witnessed DePap striking Mr. Pelosi with a hammer. Today, prosecutors painted DePap as a man warped by radical right-wing conspiracy theories. His public defender agreed, but said that the crime was not specifically motivated by Pelosi's job as House Speaker. The defense says they don't plan to dispute DePap committed a violent act, but say why he did it conflicts with federal charges. Those charges include assault of an immediate family member of a federal official and attempted kidnapping of a federal officer. We expect to hear from Paul Pelosi in testimony as early as Monday. If convicted, DePop could spend the rest of his life behind bars. Lester. All right, Steve, thank you for that. In Nashville, a college community shaken after a student was killed by a stray bullet. Now questions about why the suspect was released from custody this year. Here's Blaine Alexander. All my life you have been so, so... At Belmont University in Nashville, gun violence has hit home. Police say 18-year-old freshman Jillian Ludwig was walking on a track in a park when nearby 29-year-old Shaquille Taylor started shooting at a passing car. One of those bullets hit Jillian. She was rushed to the hospital and later died. A music business major from New Jersey, Jillian loved running and playing the bass, according to the university. It's hard to believe she's gone only six weeks in college and rising star. Now, grief is mixing with outrage. I would put this squarely in the category of preventable gun violence. According to the Nashville District Attorney's Office, Taylor was prosecuted in April for aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, but deemed incompetent to stand trial. His charges were dismissed, and he was released from custody a month later. It is worth looking at the gap that exists between uh, someone who is deemed incompetent to stand trial uh, and yet uh, winds up then in a place where they can be on the streets, untreated and armed. Tonight, Taylor remains in jail. Jillian's family is remembering her as creative, compassionate, fearless and on the cusp of so many successes, writing, she was senselessly robbed of those opportunities and we will miss her dearly every day. Blaine Alexander, NBC News. Let's turn now to the fallout from the Republican presidential debate we hosted last night. Plenty of fiery moments, but is there any sign the five candidates were able to make a dent in former President Trump's commanding lead? Garrett Hake with more tonight. 
The bruising battle for second place intensifying tonight in the wake of last night's GOP debate. Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley both claiming momentum and taunting frontrunner former President Trump for his absence. I think it is going to hurt him if he doesn't show up. We got one more fella to go after, and I'm telling you, we're going to do it. Vivek Ramaswamy's personal attack on Haley over her adult daughter's use of TikTok becoming the debate's most viral moment. She made fun of me for actually joining TikTok while her own daughter was actually using the app for a long time. So you might want to take care of your family first. Leave my daughter out of your voice. You're just the easy scum. answer. But for the third consecutive debate, the race's leader, Donald Trump, counter-programming the evening's events. I'm standing in front of tens of thousands of people right now, and it's on television. That's a hell of a lot harder to do than a debate. Moving past the primary, hammering President Biden. When I'm reelected, we will stop Joe Biden's inflation disaster and we will rebuild the greatest economy in the history of the world. We'll do it. With debate watchers telling us Trump still seems the certain nominee. He's just going to go and smoke out the competition anyway. Do you think he can be beaten? No. Even this Haley supporter. I just liked her. um, I don't know. She was so strong. Do you think she can beat Donald Trump? I'm not sure about that. And tonight, a new batch of swing state polls shows Mr. Trump leading President Biden in six of the seven states surveyed. The president saying today he does not believe he's trailing Trump. Lester. Garrett Hank, thanks. In 60 seconds, airplane near misses on the ground and in the air. Why it's now happening so often. And the new warning about the growing risk right after this. The U.N. Refugee Agency, or UNHCR, responds to emergencies and provides long-term solutions for refugees. They provide aid in over 130 countries, including Ukraine, Syria, Afghanistan, and Sudan, where people are forced to flee from war and persecution at their greatest moment of need. UNHCR helps and protects refugees by providing food, shelter, medical care, and other life-saving essentials. The agency jumpstarts relief in three key ways. They transport core relief items stored in even the most remote areas of the world. They deploy expert emergency staff trained to help in crisis situations. And they transfer funds directly to support the emergency. Because of generous supporters and donors, UNHCR can scale up its response within 72 hours of a large-scale emergency. Your support helps provide life-saving aid for refugees whenever and wherever emergencies occur. Donate to USA for UNHCR by visiting unrefugees.org slash donation. All right, we're back now with the new warnings today from the head of the NTSB and the Air Traffic Controllers Union. Near misses in the air and on runways have hit a 10-year high, and they say the next one could end in disaster. Here's Tom Costello. From a recent mid-air collision involving two business jets after a pilot took off without clearance. Airport is shut down this time. To Austin. FedEx is on the go. Where a controller cleared a FedEx plane to land just as a Southwest flight was departing. Words fail to adequately describe how close 131 souls came to dying that day. To Boston, where a corporate jet crossed in front of a landing JetBlue flight. It's been a year of close calls. 23 runway near misses, more in the air. While just 1.3% of all flights, the NTSB chief warns, the risk is growing. Our safety system is showing clear signs of strain that we cannot ignore. 
The biggest contributing factors, fatigue and distractions in cockpits and control towers. 77% of them understaffed, leading to mandatory six-day weeks and 10-hour days for controllers. While it'll take years to hire and train enough controllers, the CEO of Delta Airlines said on the Today Show this morning, the turnover is impacting safety. The air traffic controllers have had some, some new folks, so I think it warrants the continued review of our safety management. Are you concerned about the impact of that on safety of the airspace? Absolutely. I am worried about safety. Tonight, Congress under pressure from all sides to spend the money for urgent safety upgrades. And Tom, aside from hiring more controllers, what else do they need to do? Yeah, that's number one. But also, listen to this. High on the upgrade list, aviation experts warn that only 43 airports have the automated systems that can issue urgent alerts if planes are on the wrong runway or headed for a collision lesson. So technology part of the equation. Big All time. right, Tom, thanks very much. Up next, they were driven out of the military because of who they are. Years later, the veterans still fighting for the benefits they deserve. As we look forward Veterans Day, there are thousands of vets living without VA benefits they deserve. The military has acknowledged they were discriminated against years ago, so why are they still waiting? Begad Shaban of our California Bay Area station has the story. Lily Stefanidis remembers being imprisoned while serving with the Navy. Not for something the sailor did, but because of who the veteran is. They actually locked you up behind bars. They locked me behind bars uh, for a couple days and gave me uh, a couple slices of bread and a cup of ice every morning. For decades in America, being LGBTQ could get you thrown out of the service under the military's homosexual conduct policy. Department of Defense records obtained by NBC News show more than 32,000 vets were forced out since 1980. I'm disgusted. I'm disgusted by that. Stephanidis, who identifies as non-binary, was ultimately kicked out of the Navy in 1989. Military paperwork blamed homosexuality, giving Stephanidis what's known as an other-than-honorable discharge which can leave veterans without valuable VA benefits like health care, tuition, and home loans. Stephanidis spent years homeless. I felt that I was kind of something to be discarded. This changed you? Absolutely. It absolutely changed me. It altered the trajectory of my life. Gay service members have been thrown out of the armed forces dating back to World War II. But the U.S. officially ended the practice in 2011 with the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Today, veterans must apply through the military to get their discharge status upgraded and separately with the VA to get the benefits the road. Neither process is automatic, putting the burden on veterans. In September, the Department of Defense announced plans to proactively review and correct military records for veterans discharged because of their sexual orientation, but only for those discharged during Don't Ask, Don't Tell. And the DOD tells us now, nearly two months later, there's still no timeline for when that process will start. As for the VA, records we obtain show its review takes an average of 233 days to determine benefit eligibility. That's too long. We brought our findings to VA Secretary Dennis McDonough. We are going to continue to work at this as aggressively as we can. Stephanidis applied for VA benefits in 2019 and finally received them more than 10 months later. But the wait continues for the military to upgrade the veteran's discharge status to honorable. I need my country to tell me that I'm okay. Do you know what I mean? To tell me that I'm equal. 
Stephanidis is now part of a class action lawsuit against the Department of Defense, which asks the military to systematically upgrade discharges for service members kicked out for their sexual orientation. The Pentagon says it doesn't comment on pending litigation. Stephanidis, who has stage four prostate cancer, worries waiting much longer won't be an option. I may not live to see the discharge upgrade. How often do you think about that? Well, I wonder every day. I wonder every day. It's this, how much, how much time do I have left? Begachaban, NBC News, San Francisco. And coming up, the small town radio station in a David and Goliath fight for survival. Finally, the small town that fought the big guys to save its beloved school radio station and won. Here's Maggie Vespa. When you live somewhere as remote as Michigan's Upper Peninsula, connection matters. You're listening to Your Sound Choice, WOS 88.5. This village of 1300 goes old school. Wow. You have Otis Redding, REM. Broadcasting from the Antonagon Area School Library since 1978. Run by retired teacher Ken Risenin, WOAS. This is the voice of Ontonagon Area Schools. and Help students find their voice. Just have the freedom to play whatever you want. Public speaking, like, it, you use it every day. And every day, locals dial in. That broadcast signal is so limited, it fades about 15 miles outside this scenic village along Lake Superior. The strength of the signal is sort of the Achilles heel. Now, we're in what they call the unprotected part of the spectrum. At just 10 watts, its spot on the dial is always up for grabs by larger stations, like the one in nearby Marquette. In 2021, WOAS got a letter. WOAS will be required to change frequencies to come. This is where small towns soar. It provides a, a, a voice. It's local. We can lose radio in this town. The village raised $19,000, enough for a new 75-watt transmitter. This is like the little radio station that could. Yeah, yeah. Keeping a connection from fading out. Maggie Vespa, NBC News, Antonagon, Michigan. That's nightly news for this Thursday. Thank you for watching, everyone. I'm Lester Holt. Please take care of yourself and each other. Good night. Hi everyone, I'm Jenna Bush Hager from Today with Hoda and Jenna and the Read with Jenna book club. There's nothing I love more than sharing my favorite reads with all of you, except maybe talking to the exceptional authors behind these stories. And that's what I'll be doing on my podcast, Read with Jenna. I'll be introducing you to some of my favorite writers. These conversations will leave you feeling inspired and entertained. To start listening, just search Read with Jenna wherever you get your podcasts.